Hello there, and welcome to the 47th episode of Blue Jays World Update. I'm your host, Thomas Hall, and let's get you up to date. So on this week's episode, I'm going to provide injury updates on Robbie Ray, Larry Scariel Jr., George Springer, provide some starting rotation updates on guys like Tanner Roark, Ryu who's back now, or Ray that's back now, and then I'm also going to get into the Blue Jays offense, Vladdy's hot start, and then basically everyone else. So let's get into it. All right, so let's start with the news. We, Like I alluded to earlier, Robbie Ray is back after injuring his elbow while falling down the stairs. So with Ray being back, he's actually going to slide right into the starting rotation for Monday's opener against the Yankees. He's going to face off against Garrett Cole on Monday. And then Gurriel Jr., who was experiencing some flu-like symptoms when he got his shot for COVID. And he's back now off the COVID list. And as a result of those two moves, unfortunately, Santiago Espinal and Joel Piamps have been optioned to the alternate training site. And I say unfortunately because Santiago Espinal came up over the weekend and absolutely showed out for the Blue Jays. He performed far beyond anything the team could have expected him to do over this brief stint in the majors and I know you the Blue Jays want to have a veteran like Joe Panic on the team he's also had a nice start to the season as well but long term I would love to see Espinal come up and take over that backup infielder spot over Panic. I don't know when that's gonna happen but it needs to happen far before the end of this season so keep an eye on that moving forward. As for Piamps, it's just a numbers game for him. Um, originally, I, I kind of thought maybe they would uh, keep him and send somebody else down, but ultimately he has option. He has an option, so they'll send him down to the alternate training site, bring him back up if needed. Now, as for George Springer. I don't have as much positivity as I did with Ray and Gurriel Jr. and Espinal because not a whole lot here for an injury update with Springer. Uh, After the Blue Jays game on Sunday got postponed, Charlie Montoyo spoke to the media and provided an update, if you can even call it that, because he said George Springer still healing with his quad he's nowhere on the brink of returning yet but he does feel good about the oblique issue that he sustained during spring training and that originally kept him out to start this season so if you're looking for minimal gains I guess that's one but to still have a ton of uncertainty regarding when George Springer will be back. That doesn't ease my my stress about this at all. Now, obviously, if George Springer returns mid-May and stays healthy for the rest of the way through, nobody's even going to remember how he had to start this year on the IL. 
because he's going to make up for it. We know that. But, you know, the fact that he strained his oblique towards the end of spring training and while rehabbing from that, he strained his quad, not as severely as he did to his oblique, but he still strained it and it's kept him sidelined ever since. Um, Got to be a little concerned, right? This is not a great way to start his tenure with the Blue Jays. It's certainly not the start anyone had envisioned for him. So hopefully Springer isn't sidelined for too much longer just because, frankly, the Blue Jays need him. Because with Hernandez sidelined for a week, maybe more, uh, because of a close contact situation, he came into contact with someone outside of the organization who tested positive. So because of league protocols, Teoscar is, is forced to be quarantined for a set number of times. So he'll be unavailable to the Blue Jays probably until closer to the end of this week at the earliest because Hernandez still has to produce consecutive negative tests which he's done up to this point so far as we've know as we know so with him gone with Gurriel back but he missed most of the weekend Randall Gritchick has basically been the more consistent outfielder at least playing time-wise for the Blue Jays. And this is no disrespect on Jonathan Davis or Josh Palacios because they've all they've both done a nice job filling in, but because this team is looking to make the playoffs, they need Springer in their lineup. And they've kept their head above water so far, but if Springer misses, say, half the season, that's when we need to start pressing the panic button. We're obviously not at that point yet, but it's not looking great up to this point. So if we don't get any encouraging update about Springer before the end of this month, uh, it's not a good sign. It's not a good sign. But since we're talking about the offense here, let's talk about something a lot more positive here. And that's Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Slim Vladdy, if you want to refer to him like that, because Slim Vladdy has broken out so far. He has completely overcame, overcome his previous struggles. And I know it's only nine games in, but Vladdy looks like a completely different player so far. And I'll just, I will get get in deep into his stats, but let me give all of you this one stat just before we dive into Vladi here. I'm gonna let this breathe a little bit. Through nine games, Vladi has 39 plate appearances. So not a big sample size, but still a decent amount. Over those 39 plate appearances, Vladi has already created a career high 0.6 Fangraphs war rating. In comparison, Vladdy produced a 0.2 war rating last season over all 60 games. In 2019, his rookie season, Vladdy appeared in 123 games, earned 514 plate appearances, 
and registered a 0.4 Fangraphs War rating. Pretty insane when you think about it. It just shows you how well Vladi has done so far this season. And it's a great sign for the Blue Jays because with most of their lineup struggling to hit right now, they've needed every bit of Vladi's offense so far. And let's get into his numbers here through nine games. So Vladi has hit one double, a home run, already got eight RBIs. He's crushing a 241 ISO, a fantastic 429 BAP, which is completely blown away his previous career high of 308. He's got a 499 Woba, a 477 expected Woba. He's got a 220 weighted runs create a plus score. Vladdy's also slashing a 379, a 538, and a 621. Also has a 1159 OPS. And what's maybe even more impressive is Vladdy's walking more than he's striking out. So far, Vladdy's got eight walks to just six strikeouts. And even more impressively, Vladdy is doing exactly what all of us have, have hoped that he would kind of develop into. And that's hitting the ball in the air more. Because right now, Vladdy's increased his launch angle dramatically. In 2019, he had an average launch angle of 6.5 degrees. Last season, that dipped down to 4.6 degrees. This season, it's all the way up to 16 degrees. And as a result, Vladdy's been able to get the ball in the air more. He's also reduced his ground ball rate dramatically. In 2020, it was at 54.6%. Now it's down basically 20%. It's at 34.8%. He's also lining the ball increasingly more. In 2020, just a 17.5% line drive rate. Now he's got it at 30.4%. He's also staying in the middle of the field a lot more than he's ever done previously because right now he's got a 47.8% um, center field percentage. So almost half of the balls he's putting in play are staying in the middle of the field, which is exactly what you want from Vladdy. Because previously, over the last two seasons, Vladdy was focusing on pulling the ball, had a 41% pull percentage in each of the last two seasons this year that's down to just 30.4 percent now it'd be a little bit nice nicer if he went the other way a little bit more just because his opposite field percentage is only at 21.7 percent but considering almost half of the balls he's put in play are staying in the middle of the field i'm not even going to complain about the fact that he's not going a ton the other way I, I just I'm loving the fact that he's staying in the middle of the field I'm not even gonna complain about the other way just because you know a lot of his hits have gone the other way they may not show it in the percentage but if you just look at his game footage he is going the other way more than he has in previous years and let's go even deeper with Vladdy because He's just become such a different hitter at the plate. And I know I've alluded to this and I've explained this in last week's video and even 
further back in the spring. But Vladdy's not chasing as much out of the zone. In fact, his chase rate so far is down to just 20.2%, which is very impressive considering it was at 24 24.6% in 2020 and at 28.9% in 2019 and he is being a little bit more aggressive at the plate at times at least early on he's swinging at first pitches a lot a little bit more than he did last season right now he's got a 38.5 percent first pitch swing rate and that's up a little bit from 36.6 percent in 2020 but overall Vladdy's swinging at pitches a lot less because in 2020, he had a 47.9% swing rate. This season, that's down to just 42%. So, he's not chasing as much. He's being more patient at the plate. This is exactly what we all wanted to see out of Vladdy. And what's even a little bit more impressive, too, is that he's been effective against both fastballs and breaking balls early on. Right now, he's slashing a 412, a 401, a 647, a 636, a 528 Woba, and a 516 expected Woba against fastballs. Against breaking balls, he's got a 400 average, a 311 expected average, a 700 slugging, a 605 expected slugging, a 508 Woba, and a 434 expected Woba. And if you're curious about his launch angle, here's the breakdown. Against breaking balls in 2020, Vladdy had just a one degree average launch angle but this season that's up to 24 degrees as for fastballs Vladdy had a 7 degree average launch angle against them in 2020 this season that's up 10 degrees to 17 pretty impressive and Vladdy's still crushing the ball like I said he's in the top 1% of the league in max exit below he's also in the 75th percentile and average exit below now his overall hard hit rate it's down a little bit compared to where it was in 2020 still early on but it's still pretty high too because in 2020 Vladdy had a 50.8 percent hard hit rate this season he's got a 43.5 percent hit rate and you know when you look at his average exit below at 92.2 miles per hour considering it's only down 0.3 miles per hour from 2020 i'm not concerned to that at all vladdy's going to continue to crush the baseball to all fields he's getting it in the air he's not putting it on the ground nearly as much he's working counts he's getting walks this is much much better this is exactly what we wanted to see from vladdy and i am i love that he's doing this so early on in the season because he's setting the tone for himself. Because imagine if Vladdy fell flat out of the gate again. He would be down on himself a lot. And I think we all could agree that Vladdy needed this sort of boost considering the offseason he had, right? Vladdy spent so much time in the winter losing weight and I don't want to make this conversation about his weight but we got to bring it up a little bit because he put in so much work in the offseason right and for him to struggle out of the gate if that happened 
that would have been a big blow to his confidence, I think at least. So for him to excel so early on, I think his confidence is riding so high, higher than it's ever been in his career before, maybe. I mean, his confidence is probably pretty high in the minor leagues, but the fact that he's doing this at the major leagues now, this is incredible. And considering where his projections were, at least from fan graphs before this season, per their ratings, their zip ratings, Vladdy was only projected to produce a 2.6 fan graphs war rating this season. I think he's going to blow past that, basically because he's already got a 0.6. And his defense is already starting to improve as well. There's no really advanced at analytics yet just because it's so early on this season but he does have a negative 0.8 defensive war rating and even though that's a negative that's much better than what he's produced in previous seasons because he had a negative 6.9 defensive rating in 2020 he had a negative 10.6 defensive rating in 2019 so We've seen, we're seeing progression from Vladdy, not only just at the plate, but also at first base as well. And we saw it uh, against the Angels too, because I don't think any of us have ever seen Vladdy leap that high to catch a line drive before. I don't think we've ever seen Vladdy leap that high in his life before. So to see him do that at first base, whew, uh, there's so much positivity and encouragement surrounding Vladdy right now. And I love that because there's not a lot of that surrounding the Blue Jays offense right now. Because aside from Vladdy and Grichik, nobody else is really hitting. Sure, Bichette, Biggio, they both have a pair of home runs. Marcus Simeon leads the team in home runs with three. But... Looking at their overall production at the plate, it's not good enough. It's nowhere near as good enough. And we can talk about the strikeouts, and we will. It's not crazy alarming because really only. Rowdy Telez, Teoscar Hernandez, and Bo Bichette are striking out an alarming rate. Now, I know those three guys are, are key bats for the Blue Jays, and they need to dramatically lower their strikeout rates in totals because Bichette's got a 30% strikeout rate, Teoscar Hernandez got a 48% strikeout rate, and Rowdy Telez has got a 34% strikeout rate. All of those numbers need to go down dramatically. But Vladdy's walking more than he's striking out. Randall Grichik has a sub 20% strikeout rate, just at 19.4%. He's also got an 11.1% walk rate. Marcus Simeon has a 9.3% walk rate and just a 25.6% strikeout rate. I'd like to see him walk a little bit more, especially because he's the Blue Jays' leadoff hitter. But Considering he has a 331 expected Woba, I can live with it for now because we know he's not going to be the long-term leadoff hitter for the Blue Jays. Um, Kevin Biggio, 
still walking a decent amount, but we need to see him become less aggressive. And I think if he does that, the Blue Jays are going to be at a really good spot moving forward because he'll be able to get on base a lot more consistently ahead of the middle of the order, ahead of Bo Bichette and Vladdy especially. Because I think Kevin Biggio's gotten away from what worked for him in the minor leagues. And that was constro- controlling the strike zone like no one else. Right? We saw that when he made his major league debut in 2019 throughout his rookie season. He owned the strike zone better than most umpires. And that helped him but also hurt him in, in ways, right? Because he was caught looking on strike three a lot. And a lot of it was because the umpires are garbage behind the plate. But a lot of it too was the fact that he just wasn't all that aggressive at the plate. But there needs to be that balance, right, of, of not chasing out of the strike zone too much, but also being aggressive where you're not letting pitchers get ahead of you really early in counts and falling behind 1-2 and two and 0-2. Oh and, and Biggio hasn't found that balance yet because he's swinging a lot more out of the strike zone than we've seen him do previously. And he's also swinging a lot more early on in counts as well. In fact, he's got a career high 22.9 first pitch swing rate, which in comparison is up dramatically from his 17.7% first pitch swing rate in 2020. Now, I think he needs to be higher than where it was. It needs to be higher than where it was in 2020, but I don't think it should be as high as it is right now. I think if it hovered around 20%, That'd be a good rate for him, but also his chase rate is concerning because similar to his first pitch swing rate, his chase rate's also at a career high, 24.7%. In comparison, Biggio had a 13.7% chase rate in 2020 and a 13.6% chase rate in 2019. He's also swinging at pitches more in the zone because in 2020, he had a 59.5% percent zone swing rate this season it's up to 63.3 percent he's also swinging at pitches overall a lot more than he has previously in 2020 he had a 36.3 percent swing rate that's up to 41.6 percent this year he's also whiffing at pitches a lot more because he had a 23 point uh 23 percent whiff rate in 2020 this year that's climbed over 10 percent it's at 33.3 percent and if we want to dig deeper into his struggles a lot of them have come against fastballs and off-speed pitches so that means he's struggling against the hard stuff and he's also struggling against splitters and change-ups because he's chasing a lot more out of the strike zone against fastballs, which he didn't do in either of his first two seasons. In 2020 in particular, he had a 14% chase rate against fastballs. This year, that's climbed all the way up to 31.1%. That can't happen. That can't happen for Biggio. He cannot be chasing out of the strike zone that much, especially against fastballs. And then also, 
against off-speed pitches. Biggio had an 18.2% chase rate against them in 2020. That's up to 27.8% this year. He's also got a 62, a 62.5% whiff rate against off-speed pitches this year. That's doubled since last year. He's a mess at the plate right now. And I know he's still doing okay overall. He's got a two, uh, 214 ISO. But his BAP is all the way down to 125. He's slashing just a 143, a 294, a 357. And has an OPS of 651. He's only got a Woba of 296. And an expected Woba of 266. His way to runs create a plus score is down to 85. And he's only got a 0.1 Fangraphs War rating. So, yeah, the power is up for Biggio. But he's traded that power for what he does best. And that's being a good disciplined hitter. So, the Blue Jays need to have a hard talk with Biggio again. Because they already did before about having him become more aggressive at the plate. Well, they need to have another type of discussion with him about how to balance that. Because I think that's the key for Biggio. If Biggio can find that balance between being an aggressive hitter, but also being disciplined, he's going to take off. He's going to take off through the rest of the season. Whether or not that happens anytime soon, I don't know. Because we haven't seen it so far. We've just seen him chasing at pitches like we've never seen him do before. And that's not Kevin Biggio. That's not what makes him so special. And I'm honestly concerned for him. Because at the rate he's going, whenever George Springer comes back to the lineup, if he hasn't figured out his approach at the plate, He's going to be hitting at the bottom of the lineup. And I don't want Kevin Biggio hitting at the bottom of the lineup because he's too valuable for the Blue Jays when he's in his right mindset. And I would much rather see George Springer batting leadoff, Kevin Biggio batting two-hole, and then you got Bichette and Vladdy behind him. But he's not helping the Blue Jays right now. He's got a negative .7 offensive rating right now. Or offensive war right now. So I really want Kevin Biggio to make some adjustments against the Yankees here. And it may be tough because he's going to be going against Garrett Cole on Monday. And that's certainly not a guy you can um, take lightly. And it, it certainly could be hard for him to start laying off fastballs against him just because Garrett Cole has such a lively fastball. It's very hard to stay disciplined against it. But this is going to be a big test for, for Biggio again. So if he falters, we may even see him drop in the lineup even before Springer returns. And that's not a sight any of us want to see. Now moving on to another hitter that has significantly struggled out of the gate, and that's Rowdy Telez. And even we can date this tough time for him even back to the end of last season because it ended so 
um, dramatically for him because he blew out his knee while running down a, trying to run down a foul ball in Buffalo and got tangled up with the bullpens that shouldn't be on the field and won't be starting this year, but they were last year because it's a minor league stadium and that cost him the rest of the season and he hasn't rebounded since. Rowdy Telez doesn't have a hit this season. He's 0 for 23 through seven games this year. And he just looks lost at the plate. He, he really does. He's striking out way more than we've seen in previous years, even last year. Rowdy Telez struck out 20 times, but also walked 11. This year, Rowdy has struck out eight times and only has walked once. So along with not getting any hits, he's not getting on base with walks either. And what's really caught out, stood, stood out to me is that Rowdy Telez is under everything right now. In 2020, he had an average launch angle of 10.6 degrees. This year, that's increased by 18 degrees. He's got a 28.6 average launch angle right now. And as a result, his infield fly ball percentage is up to a career high 28.6%. He's got just a 7.7% line drive rate. He's got a 53.8% fly ball rate. And he's not hitting balls hard either. He hasn't even barreled one up yet at all. And he's really struggling against breaking balls. In fact, Rowdy Telez is so lost at the plate right now, he's not even swinging at much. He can't even see the ball out of the hand of the pitchers right now. That's how lost he is at the plate. He's so in between. Because right now, he's got a 43.5% swing rate. That's down from 50.3% in 2020. His first pitch swing rate has dropped to 26.1%. It was up to 39.4% in 2020. That's a bit high, but that season-to-season drop, insane. He's chasing less just because he's swinging less. He's swinging at pitches just in the zone less. His in-zone swing rate is down to 61.9%. It was up to 70.2% in 2020. And he's whiffing a lot as well because that's all the way up to 35%. And it was at 23.4% in 2020. And if we want to break it down pitch by pitch here... Rowdy's swinging a lot less against breaking balls. That's really been the big difference for him. Because in 2020, he swung at breaking balls almost half the time, 48.8%. This season, that's down to just 20.8%. So whatever it is with Rowdy, he's not seeing breaking balls out of the hand. Because that's really the only major drop of all the pitches for him. So, whatever he needs to do at the plate, with his vision, he needs to make those adjustments. Because not being able to pick up 
the spin of the ball or whatever it is with him because he's not seeing balls as, at all. He doesn't know what to do with his approach at the plate. He's, he's clearly dropping his elbow or his shoulder, resulting in every single ball he puts in play seemingly going high up into the air. Like he could hit a ball 114 miles per hour, which he's done this season, but it's sky high in the air. If Rowdy Tellez is able to dramatically reduce his launch angle back to where he was in previous seasons, he'll start getting hits because all of his balls won't be just pop-ups. They'll be line drives finding holes in the defense. But right now, he's not doing that. And, you know, whether it's half-hearted swings that are causing all those pop-ups just because he's so late and he's just trying to throw the bat out onto the ball. It's just very concerning to me because Rowdy Telez was breaking out last season. He had career highs in expected WOBA and way to runs create a plus. He was on pace over 162 game season to produce a career high in Fangraphs War. So... I really hope Roddy Teles turns things around because the Blue Jays are going to need him, right? Especially without Springer and especially going against the Yankees and their potent lineup. They're going to need some pop from Roddy Teles, but he's going to lose some playing time. It's already started, right? The Blue Jays have no other choice when he's struggling this much at the plate. They can't continue to give him at bats and have him let them down. He's, he's, he's got a negative 0.5 Fangrass War rating. He's losing wins for the Blue Jays with him out there. And that can't happen with this team looking to make the playoffs. So, Rowdy Telez needs to turn things around very, very quickly. Or he may not see much playing time through the rest of April and maybe even to May as well. But, looking ahead to this series, it's going to be another interesting matchup for the Blue Jays because they're going head-to-head -head against the Yankees as well and the Yankees didn't fare well against the Tampa Bay Rays over the weekend so they're going to be looking to you know pick things up and turn things around against the Blue Jays especially because the Blue Jays beat them in the opening series to begin the season so with Robbie Ray taking the mound on Monday Hunjin Ryu ticketed for Tuesday and you got Ross Stripling, yikes, on Wednesday. It's going to be another good series for the Blue Jays. And they need their bats to wake up here. Rowdy Tillet, or uh, Randall Gritchick and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. can't continue carrying the freight for the Blue Jays. They need Bo Bichette. They need Kevin Biggio. Teoscar Hernandez are going to be out without for this series. But they need other guys to step up. They need a guy like Rowdy Tellez to step up. They need Guriel to step up and produce something because he's barely done anything so far this season so I'm looking on those those secondary guys uh, especially in the middle of the order to wake up and start producing runs consistently for the Blue Jays in this series against the Yankees so we'll see what happens but that does it for this week's episode I hope you enjoyed my deep dives into Vladdy, Biggio, Telez and uh, hopefully you join me next time for another edition a Blue Jays World Update. But until next time, I'm your host, Thomas Hall, and now you're up to date. And please remember, wear a mask, wear it properly, 
don't go out unless you have to. And whenever you're eligible to get vaccinated, whenever that may be, please do so. Thanks for listening.